So before we move into service tonight, I just wanted to do one thing really quickly. Um, Megan did position us today. She always positions our family. I'm sorry, it was yesterday. My days are still all mixed up. She positioned our family yesterday to come into service a specific way. How did she position our family? Gratitude. So when we walk with honor, honor, mom said it, honor walks with gratitude and humility. And today is a day that we actually get the opportunity to honor the veterans, not only of our country, but of our family. And so Brian, we wanted to just honor you so you can stand and we just clap for him just to thank him for what he has done. That is not something that we take lightly. I had seen something that said, if you sit with a warrior, their conversations are different. I hear that multidimensionally also, because we know that there are warriors of the faith and there are warriors in this home, but there are things that have been done on behalf of our country, on behalf of our family. There are stories that come out when you take the time to just sit and listen, to sit and be. I'm sure Brian has multiple stories that he could share with us. The reason you get to sit here today. And I don't wanna discount that, but I also recognize that we have forefathers that walk in this family who were willing to take a stand and also be someone who positioned themselves to uh, take something that was previously an idea and be so bound to it and so for a standard to be displayed on earth that they would do anything and stand against anything. Derek talked about the Maccabees and how we know the story. We know that Yeshua came from that line. That had there not been a family who was willing to stand and fight for what they knew was right and honor what they knew was right, had there not been a father willing to stand and look at his sons in the eyes and say, tomorrow you may die. Tomorrow may be the end for us. But because we know what's right, we know what's true, we know what's coming, I would much rather die tomorrow than live a life of complacency. And that's what this family does. Our family right now walks through those hard things, some hard things to have to look at, some hard things come forward, right? Some hard truths come out. We have a mother and father who are like, that sacred cow in your life, that's not okay. That's not supposed to be there. That thing you have in your way is blocking your lineage. It's blocking what could be coming. Had we not had a family like the Maccabees stand in a place to say, I will lay, I'll die to it all. I'll lay it all down. Would we even be here? Would we even have the one that we honor? Would we even have the one that we follow? That's kind of heavy to think about, thinking of the ones who have gone before you, the ones who've stood in a place as a forefather to say, I'm willing to lay it all down and do something different. I just feel like I have... I'm, 
multi, in multiple ways so much gratitude for this family. I spent a week away from you guys and I was dying. <laughs> like, could not wait to see your faces again. Don't take this for granted. Don't take it for granted that you have siblings around you, that you have nieces and nephews to hug on, that you have a mother and a father that stand in a place for you all the time. Don't take the gathering of your family for granted. Don't take a word that's released in a time like this for granted, like, oh, I've, I've heard most of this, or I'll catch it on the next podcast. I've got a game I've got to catch on my phone. Don't take it for granted. If you don't want to be here, you're welcome to leave. There's the door. Because what is here is priceless. And there's a cost that's been paid for everything that is presented. So when you trade, you're trading into something that a huge price was paid for. I want us to remember that tonight as we position ourselves to receive from the mother and father of this home. I want us to position our hearts with honor. And I'm going to go over this again because it is one of those things that burns in my heart. Honor can be displayed through your body language. If you are looking at your phone because you have got to keep up on angry birds, you are dishonoring what has been presented in this home. If you are staring at the ground because you just don't want to be a part, you're dishonoring what's happening in this home. Let's position ourselves to be a family of honor. Let's be a place where Ruach can land. Because in this home, what we want is everything Ruach has to offer. Everything that was fought for by our forefathers is what we want in this home. I wanted to go back to, if you sit with a warrior, their conversations are different. If you sit with the ones, I don't know whose napkin this is, but I'm going to steal it. Sorry. If you sit with a warrior, one who is pressed through on your behalf, the stories will be different. Thank you, Dan. The stories in this home are different. They're not going to be what you've received on a Sunday morning in the past. Let them tell their story. Create a place for Ruach to land. In this most recent podcast that Derek was talking about, it was a real call to action for the fathers. And one of the things that dad had said was that we would be known as a family of fathers who rally their families around Yahweh. So tonight, let's position our hearts to be a family who follows a mother and father who rally us around Yahweh because their heart is simply to rally us around his truth and to release us into that. And if everything inside of you feels like, I don't know what I've always known was this, this, and this, those are the exact reasons that they're here. The exact reason they're here is to dismantle those things, to hunt down your sacred cows, to break down everything inside of you, to remove it, to expose what's unseen in order to release what this earth has not seen yet.
So, mom and dad. Uh, leading up to today, or to tonight's gathering, just through discussion and through leaning in and praying into the dynamics that we're experiencing, what we're walking through as a family and considering family identity, the spirit told me, he said, uplift your bride, talking to me, uplift your bride to edify the body, talking about you guys. He said, uplift your bride to edify the body. And it's so funny to hear Derek and Missy come up here because the wine chasing lions is is so appropriate because what Yahweh also told me how I was going to do that before even knowing anything about chasing lions. He said, "You you need to talk to the family about how to keep up with her. He said, I need you to tell them how to keep up with her. Like, and then I come in and I look at the wine chasing lions. I looked at mom. I said, you're a lion. You're a lion. And I told my kids, what does that mean you guys are? And Sean was like, cubs. But it's just so it's just so cool how the Holy Spirit just pays attention to those little details to let you know, yes, you're on the right track. Yes, you are a lion. Yes, you do need to speak to the family. Yes, she is in a place that we have to try to keep up with her. Not because we're not capable or we don't have the capacity or she has some special thing that we don't have, but she has operated in such a way that, that we have to understand to keep up. So as a father instilling family identity, I feel like it's really important for us to understand something about the place that we're in and about our convictions and about being set apart. I feel like there's been just some things that we've said and maybe it's it's not necessarily fully understood. So what I wanna do is give fathers permission to some things because the walk that she had to walk, she walked it without a father's permission, giving her the authority to be who she was. And that's part of her authority now. But she had to walk it out without a father saying, no, you, you do what I asked you to do. Nobody was reinforcing that. In fact, they were saying, maybe you should just quiet down, slow down. Maybe you should just go home, let your husband deal with this. Those are the voices that were, te- that were talking to her through her walk. So what I want to do is because when she, when she releases all this, all this revelation from such a high place, It's because for years she was willing to get low, touch the things that nobody wanted to touch, keep a flame in utter darkness for people that didn't even want to keep it themselves in their own house. Because she's a mother and she could see the the calling on people 
when they couldn't. So when they just ditched their flame and left it to go out, she would keep it. She would keep the flame with her own dead body if she had to. Still to this day, there's prodigals coming back saying, I need Yahweh in my life. I need to be delivered. And she's been keeping the flame. It's different to to receive this revelation being released and to say amen. It's different to amen it and get in here and get all fired up and, and say, yes, I receive that, amen. But it's different to walk it out. What we're after, initially Yahweh told us, I want you to be after revival in the name of family. Right? Family is the means that's going to sustain and bring the kingdom and have it be sustainable. That sustainable revival is through family. That's what he initially called us to set out to do. And here we are. Here we are. She's been in the low places and gotten the keys to revelation. She's been low and got keys to get to a higher place to bring liberty to captives Hear what I'm saying. She's been doing what her father's doing. She's been doing what she saw her father doing. I'm going to get to the lowest of the low to get the keys so that I can get on high and release captives. And because of that, she's in this place to release such precious oil and revelation to the rest of the family. So when Yahweh said, I want you to steward the family on how to keep up with her, there's some things we have to understand. A lot of the convictions that we walk out, let me tell you something. When you walk in authenticity, you will naturally, without even trying, scandalize that which is counterfeit. If you walk in authentic, just by your authenticity will point out the fakeness that's around you. So guess what happens when you walk in truth and you walk in authenticity, starts to rile some things up because there's some fake things in your midst. You don't even have to try. She can walk in a room, I've seen it. She can walk in a room and stuff will just start to get uncomfortable because her presence is there. If a lion walked in here right now, right? People would be climbing up on their seats. Where's the door, right? I've seen it happen in the spirit with her. (laughs) It's happening right now. So Yahweh said, you need to steward the family on how to keep up with her. Then we come in and we consume wine called chasing lions. And we're talking about the Maccabees keeping a flame. And part of this part of walking out convictions is not just receiving a conviction as part of a family identity and saying, yes, amen, but you have to walk it out. If you have something that you believe is a conviction and you're not willing, like Derek said, to lay down your life over it, then it's not a conviction at all. So then what is it? A good idea. It sounds good. It sounds right. Remember when we talked about kissing or cleaving? It's not about cleaving or not. It's about 
kissing or cleaving, right? We have to have that much discernment. It's easy to discern, yes, this person cleaves to, the, to Yahweh, this person doesn't. I want to know who's cleaving to Yahweh and who's kissing him. Who's checking the boxes? Who's just doing the right things? Who's coming to a, a Friday gathering and saying, yes, I amen that conviction. If you just stop there, that's just kissing him. Right? We're about multiplying family because family is sustainable through the generations. And when you come in and you want to multiply convictions, that's why I said she's, she's operating in this depth of the spirit because she was willing to do things other people weren't willing to do in his name. And the reason why I say this is because we're in a stage of multiplying during this night season and setting apart. And most people in religion want to, st- they want to put division as a facade, uh, as a reason to avoid being set apart. Well, I don't want to be divided. We're supposed to be united with the community. I don't want to bring division. Well, like I said, if you walk in authentic, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring a separation. Yahweh said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. She's carrying a sword dripping with oil. And when she comes to divide you or set you apart from something because she's walked this walk, people don't want that. Well, if you hit me with that sword, if you cut me with that sword, it's going to separate me from my family. And what about them? It's going to separate us from the rest of the community. We can't even be part of a, a Christian organization without having issues now. Well, we need to be united. This is, this is divisive. This is divide. You're being divisive. No, we, you're called to be decisive. You're called to be set apart, decisive, move on your convictions, acknowledge your convictions, walk them out, be able to articulate your convictions. So when we talk about multiplication, there's things that are happening in the community there's things just by the nature of what's being dispensed here. You're going to have an opportunity to stand on your convictions. You have to look at it this way. If you're not looking at it as a sword that has come to set you apart, then you will default to, I don't know about this, it's going to divide me from my family, my friends, my, my co-workers, the Christian community, the pastor down the street. That's how you're going to default look at it. What we're walking through this night season, a sword is coming to set you apart. He called you a set-apart people. Do you know Matthew 5, which mom's going to get into? Yeshua was confronting religious and righteous experts. What if I said next week, each and every one of you is going to debate the best Christian scholars in town about the law? Who's down for that? Publicly in front of everybody, in front of the whole Christian community. You're going to debate the doctors, the people that went to school, that know the Bible backwards and forwards, right? Yeshua came on the scene in the Sermon on the Mount, the whole context of Matthew 5 when he talks about the law, he was confronting scholarly Torah experts. 
So I go back to she's doing what she sees her father doing. Right? And part of what we have to understand about this as a family is we have to change our mindset from being the nice, the nice guys. Right? Christians are nice. We're not supposed to get into conflict with people. We're not supposed to, to have it out. This is why family is so important, because it gives you the freedom and the place to have it out. We can have disagreements. We can, we can go uh, nose to nose in here over our beliefs and our convictions, and family will keep us together at the end of the day. So we have to understand as we're continuing through this night season, she hasn't even, she hasn't even scratched the surface of, of the depths that Yahweh is taking this family to and what he's calling us to. And we have to understand that our motive and our conviction is, is, has to be to the extent that you're willing to lay your life down for it. Otherwise, it's not a conviction. So what is it? I'm just going with the program. I don't want anybody in here to just go with the program because we fully expect, just like every shepherd should, that you should go figure out and verify everything we say in here. Everything we minister, everything she's bringing has been verified and dug up. Let me tell you something. She sits in her her secret place. And when she gets a revelation, she tries to disprove the revelation that the Ruach just gave her in the word. Obviously, she's not questioning what she heard, but she knows as a good shepherd that, you know what? This revelation that you just gave me, I'm going to equip my family with this conviction and they're going to be confronted on it. So as a shepherd, as a mother, I'm going to find out what's going to confront them and I'm going to equip them with that too. But we, ha- we have to, I guess my point is we have to understand that the multiplication that we're after as a, as a means of sustainable revival is that you not only have to have convictions. That's step one. We went through that. Divestment, unity, convictions, pledges. We went through all that. That's just the beginning. Right? And now that the fact, now the, and you guys can probably attest to this, now that you've voiced out of your mouth out loud i hold this conviction i'm going to i'm going to hold this pledge you've probably experienced opportunities you may not have looked at it like an opportunity because it was uncomfortable and it it's going to bring division right shoot this is uh, you know there's noel i know he's going to ask me about torah so i'm going to go this way I know he's going to, what are you, are you Jewish now? So I'm going to avoid that conversation, right? How many people have been asked, oh, are you Jewish now? (laughs) Christians got people asking him if he's Jewish, right? And that, like, that should be a red flag if somebody says, oh, are you Jewish now? And I almost would be willing to bet, were they Christians? No? One of them was? We have, to, we have to look at, we have to be on the lookout for those opportunities to stand on our convictions. Right? And 
standing on those convictions means you're willing to lay yourself down for it. Anytime somebody has a, a something they claim to be a conviction, if if I want to challenge that, I would say, okay, well, why do you believe what you believe? Well, I don't know. My pastor preaches about it every Sunday. That's not a conviction. Well, I don't, that's just how I was raised. That's not a conviction either. Everything we teach in this house, do not say, oh, well, yeah, we do Hanukkah because that's what they tell us to do at Kingdom Airs. Do not. Because that means to me that you haven't, she's been laying it out for the last seven years. Right? And then it, the burden is on you. It's not our responsibility for your relationship with Yahweh. Right? Do we play a part? Yes. Do we have a role? Yes. But the burden ultimately doesn't fall on us. Right? So when, when somebody claims a conviction and you say, well, why do you believe what you believe? Those answers don't count. There's no credibility in that. You have to be able to articulate why you believe what you believe. And you have to be willing to even do it by yourself. You have to be willing to stand for it, even if that means you're going to stand for it by yourself. Right? So we want to talk about the basics of, you know, holidays or whatever. Like, hey, if that's your conviction, if you're claiming it as a conviction, to me, that means you know why you're doing it. You can articulate why you're doing it. You're willing to lay your life down for it. Right? If you say, well, 2,000 years of Christian tradition, that doesn't count. Anyway, I digress. I wanted to, we're chasing, we're chasing lions, okay? We have a lion coming up here that has been, has been laying her life down. When I talk about keeping the flame, the things that she dispenses now is not just from studying this week or from, from yesterday. The things that she's dispensing is from decades, decades of keeping a flame that most men that I've come across would not dare try to keep. If I knew 100 men, I can't think of 99 and a half that would keep the flame like she would. And when she comes up here, it's that, it's that depth of revelation that she's dispensing over this family because she's keeping the flame over our family. That's why it's so important when she lights those candles. That's representative of she keeps the flame. And I've watched her do it for 20 years. I've watched people walk out on her 15 years ago, and she's keeping the flame until today, and those prodigals just came back today. <laughs> and she can say, I kept this flame for you. <laughs> Want to come up here? So circling back, what I want our family to understand when Yahweh says, uplift the bride to edify the body, what we have to understand is that what is being dispensed, it's not just enough to say, okay, amen. Right? If you got to wrestle through something, fine. 
but wrestle. If you don't agree, fine. But the expectation is that you wrestle it out. If you have a conviction that's in opposition, we're going to deal with it as family. Because ultimately, we're operating in the ministry of reconciliation, and we're going to meet in Yeshua anyway. We're going to sharpen each other as family. Right? So what I, what I want us to get from this in order to be able to keep up with the lion in the house is that how do we handle our convictions? There, I'm telling you, everybody's going to be given opportunities to stand on their convictions. And it's just you and your opportunity. Right? Nana isn't going to be there. To, okay, say this now. Okay, this is what you're supposed to say right here. Go ahead, let me take this one. She's not going to be there for that. Right? But her legacy is what's going to be there when you stand on your convictions, even if, even if you're the only one. In a crowd of 100 people shouting you down, criticizing you, people that are experts in their field telling you you're wrong. You're not who you say you are. Is this making sense? I don't know. Yahweh said, edify the bride to uplift the body. And he said, steward the family to keep up with her. And then he confirmed it when we're consuming chasing lions and talking about the Maccabees and keeping the flame. And the family identity that we have in this family is absolutely, to the best of our understanding and ability, is absolutely that it would be better to hold the standard. It would be better to uphold the standard, even if it's my dead body holding it up. Amen. decision today to leave tonight open so I don't know what that means I mean he told me that he wanted to release some things because there's yeah I'm not really sure where I want to start I appreciate the word. I feel like I sound weird. Do I sound okay? I sound weird. Tyler said I sound weird. Huh? I'm in a box. <laughs> um, I appreciate the word that it's, it, the burden is on us to wrestle. I mean, I, I appreciate that word. Um, just being honest, sitting there and listening to that, it's kind of like whiplash for me. Um, because when, so the, just this past week, he's talking about something that's really real, that real that's making me emotional about keeping the flame for those that have hated you. <laughs> 
essentially that's whiplash. You're keeping the flame for those that come back that have in the midst of them leaving, have cursed you, questioned you, and decided to say it's easier to just be without you. And you're keeping that flame. They come back. It's hard then for me, you'd think like I'd be shouting for joy because this is awesome. But it's not, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if this is gonna make sense. It's like while one's coming home, I got one halfway out the door. Uh, one's coming back saying your testimony is why I can come back and in the midst of that I still will be in a position to release like this and I have to go through all week justifying my stance because I didn't go to school how do I how do I reconcile that when I have people in the community saying I want to come home or I have people who have never met me I have people that I have been with in this house for 20 years. And I have men in the community that have not met me that has said, if you are who you, who they say you are, help us. How do you have somebody who's never met me that says your testimony is going to get me through this and I don't even know you and I can know someone for 20 years and they still don't know me. Hear it multidimensionally. Religion says, I've known Ruach all this time and you don't know him. I know about you. I've heard a lot from you, but I haven't spent one moment with you. I haven't wrestled with you. You want to wrestle? Come wrestle with me. I, I will tear it up at BJJ. Not really. Right? Like the word is not for the sake of, you know, like wrestle it out. That gives you, it's like when we release the word, like we're allowed to be real. And all of a sudden for the next six months, I got a whole lot of realness. Whoa, that is not what that word was. Right? Wrestling out your convictions doesn't necessarily mean that you're trying to pin your own family down. So it's hard. And I, I, I'm, I'm speaking about the process that we go through when um, I'm, I'm gonna get into this, so I, I, I'm not really sure where I wanna start, but what I'm so fired up about and emotional is that the people that are saying, can you help me, have been submitted to the Christian community that has been focused on whether you drink or not. What we're going to get into when the veil of the Torah is lifted, <laughs> It's really interesting what law you'll put yourself under. But then when I give the real law, all of a sudden it's like, I don't know about this. You have been operating under laws and restrictions under a pastor the entire time you've been in Christianity. Talking, you can't drink, you can't do this. If you mess up, you got to go off the worship team. You're not allowed to, uh, 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 you can speak to demons, but you can't talk to angels. Oh, that's Jezebel, you start crying. There's a ton of rules. Who defines the rules? That's what I'm after. I'm not trying to say what these new rules are. I'm not trying to, to create something new. I'm just trying to get out of what doesn't make sense. Those rules and regulations that we put ourselves under, for some reason they made sense and they don't. So I'm, I'm, I'm emotional <laughs> because I have to reconcile that somebody wants help 
but their paradigm is that they've been bound to a system that's been focused on whether they drink or not. I don't know if this is making sense. It's like, what defines morality? The latest sermon? Me? Don't leave it up to me. I will make it way harder. The authenticity of the things that we're wrestling are allowing us to sip, sit and stand and move in such simplistic truth. It's weeding out the confusion. It's weeding out the ups and downs. It's weeding out these weird rules and regulations and which theology that you follow or, you know, this church versus, versus that church or what you're, I mean, okay. What, what I'm getting at is for 15 years in religion, I know that it's kind of weird to hear this now because we openly have wine. But do you know the process that it took to be okay with wine? And the heartache that these little ones are being released into a place of freedom don't even know what I'm talking about? I went through, let me just, a little bit about my story. I drank. It was not healthy, and he took it away for seven years. Seven years, absolutely, said, pull it out of your house. Did not touch it, could not touch it. He was breaking off some generational things. There was some stuff that was going on. Yahweh then gave us permission to engage in it again. That was an absolute hidden secret from the church completely. Nobody was allowed to know that process. Because God forbid I tell anybody that Yahweh released me into alcohol. I know now that sounds crazy, but just rewind 10 years ago. It took me four years after religion to even think about posting a picture that I was at a bar. I was a secret freedom lover. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, is this just, maybe you guys were super free, but I was not allowed to like, you would, the, the hill that we died on was whether you drank or not. If you're on the worship team, you definitely can't drink. There are some rules and some regulations for those people up there, you down there, I don't really care, but I'm gonna say it from the pulpit that you're not supposed to do this, but if you're in leadership, you have to abide by these rules, these regulations, this law, and we were like, amen, sign me up, I wanna be the drummer. Now, we're bringing laws to the forefront, which by the way, one of the laws is that you're not allowed to have sex with your son's wife. Is this gonna be a problem for anyone? How about you can't have sex with a horse? Is this a problem? These are straightforward, the definition. I'm thankful somebody said, everybody's like. <laughs> I mean, I hope we don't have any sec uh, secret. Yes. <laughs> but we would hone in on don't, do not drink. Now I am, that is, this is not a sermon to permit this. I'm not saying that you are supposed to, and I'm not, it's about a process, but it's interesting how we'll fall under a pastor's law. And then when he starts to bring the authentic law, now we've got some wrestling issues. All I'm saying is, can we wrestle for the right reasons? I don't want to wrestle for the sake of wrestling. 
Because some of the, I mean, if you look up what it is that he's releasing, there's only, I don't want to get into that. Okay, there's 613 laws. Out of all of them, you're, you're, you're doing pretty good. If you're not having sex with your son's wife and you're not doing it with a horse and what's some of the other ones? Oh, you want to know one of the laws? This will knock religion in the face. You can't flee in battle. Interesting. But isn't it interesting how we'll pick and choose which ones we like? But the ones that cause us a problem are the food laws and the feast laws. Oh, and the Sabbath ones. And I think that there's a reason for that. And if you can hear that in the spirit, you'll understand why those are the hard ones. The feasts are what prophesy. The feasts are what honor what happened, what was, and what's to come. That's the foundation. Food laws. Point you to the original sin. Sabbath laws attack rest. I'm after those lies. I'm after, I'm after that we don't know who he was, who he is, and definitely who's to come. I'm also after why do we not understand rest and we can twist it into whatever we think it is by changing the day, the time, and the, and the, the name of it. Why are we allowed to do that? And then food laws. Are all pointing back to the original sin. Which was. Which will deal with pride. It's going to deal with entitlement. It's going to deal with our desire to know. It's going to deal with what we think we need access to. So that's why it's just a little bit of pork. But isn't it interesting that pork is a problem? If I bring up a very literal word about pork, all of a sudden that is like, but you were told not to drink alcohol and you were fine with that. I'm just saying, okay. I'm just saying what's in here. So if we're okay to hear what Christianity's doctrine has allowed us to embrace as the rules and regulations to obtain righteousness, I'm just trying to figure out why the word has all of a sudden become harsh. Because we were willing to listen to all of those rules and regulations about what to consume or what not to consume, but just not about, is this making, it's like we're just tossed to and fro. The, the word says pork, and somehow 1,700 years later, we are arguing over alcohol. We're so detracted that when I step in and want to bring a word about pork, it sounds so foreign, but that's because we've spent all of our time wrestling alcohol. You are a sinner if you drink. You are righteous if you don't. That does not mean that I'm saying you're righteous if you drink and you're not righteous, that's not what I'm getting at. It's not about alcohol, but it's about, isn't it interesting that I went through a process and I wasn't able to be public about that process because of the rules and the regulations. Maybe I am just supposed to get into that word. I wanted to leave it open because I wanted to tell you guys that I have a word. 
Um, and it's not, it's bad. It's, it's not, it's, it's bad. <laughs> he says it's a sword dripped with oil. I, I, this is not something. It's not like this is fun for me. First in me. Right? If I wake up, which by the way, was like five years ago. I mean, we have podcast night dealing with things that were released two years ago. It's not like he said, I didn't just, hey, this is cool. Won't this be fun for the family? This week, this is, this is something that he's having to work out in, in me. Like he said, when I study, I try to prove this stuff wrong because this stuff is so I don't even know it's like when the blinders come off you're like oh and everything makes sense and it's not hypocritical and he's not schizophrenic and this makes sense and this lines up with this and this isn't contradictory to this why isn't everybody excited Right? But that's because also first in me, I have to deal with that word. So when I say it's not fun, it's not because I'm saying it's not going to be fun for you and it was fun for me. It wasn't fun for me. (laughs) Uh, Meaning, what do I have to gain other than... (laughs) Sorry. Somebody coming home. This is why I was passionate three years ago when you didn't listen to me. Right? You're coming home now, and now you need me as a lifeline. I've been there the whole time. And you sold me out for a cheap counterfeit so that you could stay comfortable in your convictions while you listen to a sermon about alcohol. Yet you didn't have any freedom. You're still bound. And then when it's all exposed, then it comes back at me. What I'm saying is, what do I gain from that kind of character and integrity? What would I gain to like, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't even know how to like connect the dots. Because the things that I want to say, I know are like punches, but it, it, this is what, like when somebody comes, when somebody comes home or when somebody says, this is what's been going on in my life and it was going to take me to my death, they may not see the connection, but this is why, this is why you don't put a Christmas tree up. And I understand that for some of us, it might not connect, but it does connect. And if you don't understand that, I do. And at some point you will. So, I, this is why you don't eat pork. Before I was trying to be like, not before I was trying, I'm just saying, I understand that we're all in a process, but what's boiling inside of me is I want to like, let it loose. And so that's why he's, that's why he has probably the word like keep up because I'm like trying to figure out like. How far can I blow this up? But I also have people dying. 
and I am tired of having to wrestle about something that he's been trying to reveal for 1700 years. So I don't, I don't know how to, um, I don't know how to, okay. I do know how to, I just am trying to decide if that's the word I want to release. <laughs> because like I said, I have a word and it's hard. It's, it's really hard, but that's why it connects. So when someone's struggling with addiction, for example, this is why I will point to food. I'm trying to think of like, in the, is, are you guys understanding what I'm saying? I know that seems harsh because you might be thinking, what the heck does an innocent Christmas tree have to do with this? Because ultimately what has happened is we have been deceived since 300 AD when a religion stepped in and said, you know what? We should put some, we should put some, uh, we should put, we should put a doctrine together. We, we should, we should, you know what? And it's for the purpose of power. And I want to make sure that my people are not powerful. So I'm going to make sure that I put in some rules and some regulations in there that will keep my people bound for centuries. Then when a remnant starts to rise up to say, I will rebel against that. All of a sudden it looks weird, but we've been indoctrinated for, indoctrinated for 1700 years. That is, a, that is not, what do I gain to take a family from indoctrination from the Roman Catholic Church and take them out of that indoctrination and bring them into the authenticity of his word. I, I'm, I'm personally not gaining anything other than his truth. But does that make sense? Like, um, there's not, what? <sighs> it's not for the purpose to have fun this year, to see how many conflicts we can cause between families. <laughs> it's for the purpose because next year, when your life blows up and you haven't, been, you haven't been operating under his moral instructions and you go haywire, you're gonna need a safe place to land and you're gonna wanna know how does this all connect? This probably isn't making sense without. The next couple of weeks, we are diving into Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is the amazing scripture where Yeshua is basically sitting with a bunch of self-righteous people who have been in school for a really long time, probably at least 1,700 years of generationally understanding all of the rules and regulations based on their understanding of a lot of added rules and laws to his original instructions. Can, does it set the tone? Does Matthew 5 sound a little bit different when Yeshua is stepping in to a group of people who, who have been, they know this stuff. And it is central to the main argument 
that we're getting after. And all of this is because I'm trying to set up the night season because it's going to get intense. Uh, Matthew 5, I, I, I believe, is the heart of a major argument in us. But there's a lot more than Matthew 5. There are scriptures all over the renewed covenant that talks about this. And then there are scriptures all over the Old Testament, the Tanakh, that talk about this. But we're starting with Matthew 5. Where I'm struggling is Matthew 5, I believe, is the heart. But I have a word out of Genesis. And I'm trying to discern in the spirit where I'm supposed to start. Let me just start with an example and then we'll see where it goes. How many, oh, sorry, you guys. How many of you guys were able to listen to the podcast last week if you weren't here? You were? You guys were? I just know that if I get into this, um, is it behind here? Uh, if I get into this, I, I, um, I know a lot of you last week were like, we could settle on this for a while. And so then I'm also uh, battling of like, I want to stay here. And then I also, I also, I didn't do it. <laughs> um. I know that last week, the purpose of last week was review. But the purpose of last week was to also set up the whole night season. It wasn't just out of the blue, we're gonna do a review. This, is this teaching is foundational to where we're going. Because when you're wrestling at any given moment with this teaching, you're going to be able to see where it is you're wrestling from. Okay? So like when you're wrestling and you have questions like, um, Okay, here's a, good, here's a good example. When you're wrestling and you say, um, am I supposed to obey all the laws? Well, which, which, first let's identify where you are. You're in all of them, but that, but that question, where's that question coming from? If you're coming from earth, yes. I'll just boldly say it now, yes. Yes. But remember, don't have sex with your son's wife. So it's interesting what we're freed from. Okay, we're freed from pork. We're freed from the feasts. But you're not, of course not. You are not freed from having intimacy with a cat. This is what indoctrination does. Is it picks and chooses. I understand that what I have to offer is hard, but it's not an option to pick and choose. That's why it's hard. But you should love that. Because at the moment you get to pick and choose, it's us, me versus you. Depending on whatever Holy Spirit told you and depending on whatever Holy Spirit told me and then add Jezebel in there and it just really gets confusing. Right? Who's righteous and who isn't? Who deserves to be on the worship team and who doesn't? Who's, who's in right standing and who's not? Christianity has become a, 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 a fellowship of people that have been allowed to define their own rules and regulations for convenience. Yeah. 
I don't know how anybody could argue with that because we've seen it. That's why we have multiple denominations because one thing thinks one thing, one thing thinks another. And it's all based on the interpretation of how you decide what works for your community. Okay? The question of, am I under the law? Well, which realm? Start there. I'm helping you guys, I'm helping you guys with your wrestling. Which realm are you in? Here? No. Your spirit is not. Here? Yep. Here? Yep. So this will help your wrestling. This is foundational to understand that it's all of it. That we have access for all of it. What's been in the past is focus on this, don't focus on this. Focus on this, don't focus on this. You're getting a third of who he is at any given moment. And so it causes confusion and it causes chaos and it doesn't make sense. And then if somebody's speaking from one realm and another one's speaking from another realm, then it really gets confusing. What he's doing is he's bringing the simplicity of the word for us to be able to operate from, from all and multiple dynamics, perspectives, realms. So last week I went over this, this concept gets a little weird when I start talking about the law, but it wasn't when I was talking about money. Nobody would say, no, I'm seated with Jesus. Investing doesn't work. Or what, fill in the blank. I understand that there's differences in investing, but I'm just saying, yeah, I don't have to pay my mortgage. It's all going to crumble anyways. What was the example I was talking about with law enforcement? I think you get, you get pulled over and you're like, mm-mm, he died for that, I'm freed from that. <laughs> That's fine, you can be free all you want in jail. So if we're okay with those rules and regulations that keep you safe and out of captivity while your flesh is on earth, then wouldn't we want his definition on those things that keep us safe and out of captivity versus the, the most random reformation or revival that hit the East Coast? I'm saying like even revivals, there's a baptism revival. We need some of that water. That's going to be the thing that frees you. I'm not after the latest thing. I'm after the original thing. Okay? So then, you know, we go into healing. So we had examples, right? Totally healed. uh, Spirits and stuff all here, right? So there's all this. Okay. Sin. That's the word I want to use as an example to tie together last week to this week. So let's go through sin. Well, first of all, what is sin? What's the definition of sin? Separation. But what caused the separation? How, why? Why? What made, what made you separate? Lawlessness from what? <laughs> oh, 
lawless, meaning you're not like, can, can, we, can we take lawless and just be like, I know, it doesn't literally mean that. It means if I'm a good person or not. Okay, now you're your own God. You just decided. If there's no set standard, then you're free to set your own standard. I'm a good person. I'm righteous in my own eyes and in my wife's and maybe my family's. Okay, I, but I, that is great, but I'm not after that. I'm after what is the definition of righteous? What's the definition of unrighteous? Okay, so sin. On earth, when there's sin, there are consequences. Both natural and forced. Okay, if, if we're nodding yes, then we can't just jump or err on, but I'm free. Is that okay? I'm talking about the flesh here. What I'm saying is you cheat on your wife, there's gonna be problems. You cannot use your freedom as an excuse to continue to cause separation and say, but I'm free. That would be asinine. That's not an argument, right? That would be ridiculous. But he came and died once and for all, and it is finished on the cross. Therefore, I can have whoever I want. I'm assuming no, right? This is a huge amen, no, in this family, we don't break covenant. <laughs> but why? If, if he did it all, if he did it all, then does it matter if you break covenant or not? Okay, now I'm not speaking from a place of putting bondage back on, but I am speaking from a place of we've got to see this correctly because then we will become prideful, arrogant, and completely lawless and think that there is no consequence. And I don't care if you're talking about today's consequence or if you do want to bring up hell because I'm about ready to answer that question too. So, there is a consequence. He came for you to attach to him. You don't attach to him, there's some problems. And he taught you how to live. He is not your free token card to live however you want. My question is, is we don't know how to live and how to not live or how to live because we have so many rules and regulations. We're following every man's tradition on the face of the planet for the last 6,000 years. So we have gone away from what defines covenant or not. And I'm saying that I don't think we know that. I don't think we know what covenant is or not. We know not to drink alcohol. I'm trying to think of another like big one so I don't keep bringing up alcohol because I'm not trying to say you should drink. <laughs> What's another one? Sex before... Deny yourself, but not with pork. 
You guys, I think I am going to get into the word. But deny yourself. Don't you watch TV. Stay pure. Look forward. Don't cuss. Be righteous. Clean yourself only on the outside and show yourself pure. You don't ever have to be clean on the inside. You don't have to clean yourself from the inside. It does not have to come from an inside place. It is completely coming from rules and regulations from the outside. Keep yourself clean, but you can eat all the pork you want. I'm just trying to like wrap my head around this because there isn't anywhere, there is nowhere, nowhere in the Tanakh that says you can't drink. Now I'm not saying that we should, but what I am saying, isn't it interesting that we will die on that doctrine? But there are things that the Old Testament says not to do. Don't eat pork. What? How? I'm not saying what's right and what's wrong even. I mean, I am. But let's just say for two seconds. I'm not even here to judge what's right and what's wrong. How? How did you get to that? How? That's all I'm asking our family to just look at. How did we get here? Can we at least just look at that inconsistency and say, oh, something is off about that. I can't make a decision on which hill I'm going to die on. But I can say I probably shouldn't die on any of the hills yet until I dig into that. Sin, okay? Yes, consequences. But sin, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Are both right? Did I just preach two words that are correct? There are consequences, both natural and forced, in the, on earth. In the spirit, we also do not fight flesh and blood. There are principalities. There are demonic forces. There are the angels that are fighting for you, right? There is a, so, but what, do you see the dilemma when you fight, when you only focus on sin here, everything's spirit. Well, a demon made me do that. Okay, a demon did and you succumbed to it. Could we have the and? It was all about which spiritual, no, I'm just, uh, 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 the principality of Flagstaff said I was poor. I can't make it here. Okay, yes, there's a principality that says there's poverty here. Yes, and you can also take advantage of the universe that was created for you to overcome that principality by utilizing the earth that he's given you. You can also only operate in the earth and never address this and be completely out of your mind because you're not acknowledging that there's a soul realm that is over you. This is wisdom. It's, this is the power being given back to the people that you can utilize this realm to be able to utilize this realm. But what we've been told is forget this and only focus on this. I said this last week, just for simplicity, get rid of this, focus on this, Judaism, okay? Get rid of this, focus on this, Christianity. I wanna be Hebrew. It's not as black and white, but I'm just trying to, you operate here, you're gonna be in Judaism. 
You operate here though, you're in Christianity. And what I'm, what I'm trying to wrestle is that we were like, yes and amen. And all I'm saying is, is that there's more and it's amazing. It's not to take away, it's to enlighten that there's more so that you can learn to rule and reign from this place to transform this place. Okay, so sin. Yes, consequences. Yes, there are principalities. Sin? How can you be a three-in-one person? Oh, interesting, that's the Godhead. How can we have fully man... I don't even, I'm not going to even get in there. I'm not, just, do you see the thirds? Do you see the pattern? Do you see the third that fell? Do you see the, do you see the patterns, right? You have the Godhead, but the Godhead is in you. So the problem is, is that we've said yes and amen to the Trinity, but when it comes time to the Trinity inside you, you're like, no, I am not flesh. I live by the spirit. Or you deny the Godhead when you say, I am all spirit and you deny the flesh. Don't you go to a movie. Don't you take care of yourself? Don't you love yourself? Whatever, whatever. I, mean, I could go on and on about the different mindsets that come out of this teaching. I mean, you could go down a million paths of, of what happens with this compartmentalization stuff. The Godhead is in us. That means I am flesh, I am soul, and I'm spirit, and I have to tend to all three of those, and there are laws for all three of them, and I am under them in all three realms. That means at one moment, I am seated with Christ and I'm not under the law. And at the same time, my flesh is absolutely under the law because there's decay on this earth. And my soul is absolutely under the law of what he created with the angels and the demons that are fighting over our lives. We have, we're, we have all of it. It's not one or the other, okay? Sin. All right, I think I'm going to bring the word. Are you, are you guys okay with that? I want some nods. Yes? Okay. I didn't think I was going to bring this until tomorrow. I mean, next week. Um, but I, I, this is the word that, this is, okay, so this is going to shift a little bit because this word is, Okay. Let me just read it. I want us to go to Genesis 3. I want to show you the pattern that's been happening before your eyes and was trapped into, and you didn't even know it. When I said that I was going to be exposing the greatest lie ever told, I didn't mean I was going to kick out a couple of little demons out of your life because you've been believing some lies. That's not what I'm after. I am going to say that again. <laughs> when I said that the greatest lie being exposed to the remnant bride, not just kingdom heirs, to the remnant, and there are many, that what is being exposed to the remnant, that lie is not this little lie that you've been believing that's gonna help you through your struggles. This is a foundational This is the greatest scheme on the face of the earth. And if I said that the pattern has repeated itself and we were a part of that, 
we're, we're stepping out of that repeated pattern. And I understand that that's hard to step out of the repeated pattern. I'm just going to read it, and then we'll kind of break it down. Genesis 3. But the serpent was shrewder or more smart than any animal of the field that Adonai Elohim made. Okay. Was the woman an animal? Yes. In the sense that she's a mammal, right? This, this serpent is more wise than you. So it said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from all the trees of the garden? How many of you know where I'm going or are you still like, what is happening? Because to me, I feel like this obvious, but everyone's just like. This is how it all started. Did God really say that you can't eat everything? The woman said to the serpent, of all the fruit of the trees we may eat, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat of it and you must not touch it or you will die. I think that right there is probably why I'm emotional and why I can say something as bold when somebody comes back and says, I'm dying, and I say things as strong as, that's why you don't put up a tree. The serpent said to the woman, you must assuredly won't die. For sure, you're not gonna die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. the pattern 1700 years later is the greatest question that we've been wrestling is did God really say that did he really say that forget well first of all the book isn't even divided it was also a Roman Catholic thing in order to ingrain into us the mindset that there's an old and a new and one takes out the other. It was never divided. It was always one book. And we have to remember that when the renewed covenant was written, it wasn't even there. So the only thing that they could have been writing about was the Tanakh. 
But forget all of that argument. Just going back to Genesis. Did God say? When I say something as crazy as, we'll die on the hill on al alcohol, we'll figure it out. Let's go back. Line yourself up with the original intent. Did God say? When someone says something as crazy as me, we're going to have to deal with some of the food laws. Did God say? The next strategy of the enemy, first, is to make you question if God even said it. And we have been so indoctrinated for 1,700 years from several sermons, uh, what do you call that? Uh, schools of systems, theology, uh, sections and separations that when you're coming back to that place, the first question is, did God say that? The second tactic, once you find out, oh, he did say that. You don't have to obey it. You definitely don't have to obey it. Something that Yahweh told them, don't do it or you're going to die. The enemy comes in and says, you're not going to die. It's fine. What's the, what, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? You're not going to die. And the last strategy, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What this strategy is, is then the next part is, is once you start believing, you're not going to die. And the next thing is, is that if you do choose to obey him, you're going to miss out. If you truly obey him, you're going to miss out on knowing good and evil. You're going to miss out on being just like him. You're going to miss out on being enlightened. You're going to miss out on knowing right from wrong. When really, we were never supposed to know right from wrong. Does that not sound like 1,700 years later? We're battling right and wrong on a foundation that says, but you're not going to die from it. And did God really say? So the challenge for us, all of us, 
is going, I mean, we were so crazy to say, we want to go back to the original intent, right? We all want to be back in the cool of the day in the garden when spirit to spirit on earth, right? But there's this like chapter three we got to deal with. And here's what's so cool is because of Yeshua, he gives us the authority and the opportunity to deal with chapter three. But isn't it interesting that our religion, maybe not our religion now, but the religious community will immediately say, did God say that? When I say something as crazy as, and I'm talking about hovering over the flame that he was talking about, about for someone who is dying, This person needs freedom. And when they go to Christianity, Christianity will dismiss my anointing to walk them through life because I drink. But when I say things as crazy as, but I'll walk with conviction because he told me not to eat pork, the first thing is, is God didn't really say that. And you can read about it, but you definitely don't have to obey it. You're not going to die if you do that. But apparently I was about to go to hell because I drink. I'm not worthy to be in your presence because I am crazy and I don't say the name Jesus. So there's this issue now, even with me saying Yeshua. What, what version are you reading? And we're going to die on me calling him Yeshua? But we're not going to have a conversation about the pork. I, 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 I don't understand. I, I don't understand. And you're, you're, you are going to die. Literally, I've been told that. You're going to die because you have renounced the name of Jesus and you're proclaiming Yeshua and you've got everybody with a menorah and you're turning them Jewish. So now I'm going to hell. I, I, I just, I'm, I, I, how do we know if this is right, what you're talking about? <laughs> it's like what I said last week, at least the candles in the word. Pumpkins are not. I don't get, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. <laughs> he gave us the only reason why we know what sin is, is because of the Torah. You don't know sin without the Torah. So the moment you say Yeshua did away with all that means that you're saying that you can operate completely lawless because he did away with what defines sin that he came to save you from. Not so you can, like I said, not so you can have a free token so you can keep doing it. And then that last one. But if you obey him, like if you go all out crazy, like you just, like I, under, like I understand. <laughs> I understand that I am crazy 
for him and for his truth and for his sons and daughters to walk free. And I'm getting tired of the indoctrination that has died on a hill on certain things so that you can appear righteous while I get dumped on with the dirty. And then I'm also the same one that gets accused that I don't know what I'm talking about. It sounds like someone I know, though. And isn't it interesting that all Genesis 3 is about is eating? I'm not saying food's important. (laughs) I wish it wasn't. (laughs) Trust me, I wish it wasn't. The battle with food alone, forget that. I wish it wasn't an issue, but the original sin is all about, you don't have, why would he tell you that you can't eat everything? I don't know, but he told you not to eat everything. Here's the thing. It's okay if you know of, Dan, you would probably know some kind of crazy cricket in another country that if you, if you ate it, you would die. Like some, something on this earth, if you ate it, you would instantly die. Yeah, like a poisonous, like you ate something poisonous. Yeah, yeah, tree frog. Right? So you eat a tree frog, you die. That's an easy thing. You don't eat tree frogs. That's easy. But it does talk about frogs. And it tells you why not to eat bottom feeders. And it te- but, the, but it's interesting that, that it's, like, it's like one thing works and one thing doesn't. For our go- for, it's for our good. But isn't it interesting that Genesis 3 is all about eating? So I don't know. I just know that there are a lot of laws. Most of them you're already following. It's not going to be a big deal. Like I said, as long as you don't have like sex with your son's wife and you don't have inner relationship with your daughter and you don't flee during battle, right? Like these are good things. But all of a sudden the food laws, no, he freed me from that one. So he only freed you from some of them because you can't eat a tree frog because there's a consequence for that. But the serpent can come in and be like, you're not going to die if you eat a pig. I'm I'm not saying this. All I am saying is that there is a pattern with Genesis 3. And I believe that we've repeated the pattern. And a remnant is stepping out of that pattern and saying, okay, what is this? Okay? But isn't it interesting that after you get through that, after you get through, did God really say that? All all of you would say, well, maybe not all of you, but most of you would say, well, we can read it but we don't have to obey it. So then you'll at least acknowledge, no, God did say, but then you're like, but I don't have to obey that. And then the third thing that comes in is your rationale is, I don't, if I obey it though, I'm gonna miss out. If I obey that, I'm going to miss out on something. That is the bedrock. And that's why it'll feel like I'm coming in like a chainsaw because I'm taking everything away when in reality, I'm giving you everything. Because Genesis 3, the context is, is you're absolutely right. You were not supposed to eat of that tree. So you're right. There are some restrictions. 
the original intent. You can have it all, but not this. Okay, so that was there. And if we're gonna go back to the original intent, then we have to deal with, why was that there in the first place? And maybe there are some things in the midst of the garden that are not good for you. Like us operating from that point all the way forward in knowing what is right and wrong. And that's what I'm getting out about 1700, 17, 1700 years later, that now we've got a battle of what's right and what's wrong. Your moral system is in battle with my moral system. And now we don't know what's up and what's down. We don't know his laws versus our laws. We don't know, we don't know, we don't know because we have a bunch of different rules and regulations based on different things. Because why? Because we're operating out of the tree of good and evil. We now have been enlightened and now we know what's right and what's wrong. That's the issue. We want to go back to a place of purity to where that's not what we're under between right and wrong. But in order to do that, you need to stay away from the tree. It doesn't mean everything's free. It doesn't mean everything's just, okay. It is an absolute gift to have instructions from the Father. It is an absolute gift. Anyone who has children would not say that it wasn't. Could you imagine your two-year-olds walking around and being like, because you were born, I know everything. So when we get into Matthew 5, what Yeshua was doing was saying, you've heard this, you've heard that, but I'm going to tell you why. There comes a point in your birth and in your maturity, there are going to be some things that I'm going to release to a 10-year-old that's going to be very different than to an almost 18-year-old. And based on that maturity level is going to be access to, to, different, to different things. So when we get into Matthew 7, I mean, sorry, when we get into Matthew 5, what Yeshua was doing was saying, these, all these things you've heard, but now I'm stepping in to tell you why you do those things. He was not saying you don't have to do those things. In fact, if you read the whole chapter, that's not at all what he was saying. He was saying, you once heard this, and now that I'm here, I'm telling you why. So it's like at one point, Rena, it is yes, mom, yes, dad. There's no why, it's just instructions. Why? Because I'm mean. And at some point, she needs a a savior to free her from my meanness? Can you guys grasp the mindsets that we're walking out? What do you think about the father that he had to send a son to free you from his goodness? That doesn't make any freaking sense. I was about to disobey that pastor's law about cussing. <laughs> Sorry, I just get so... But do, do, we, do we understand how deep this goes? I'm not trying to talk about pork for the sake of this. I'm trying to unravel the concept that you think Yahweh is such a mean dad that he had to send his own self to come to earth to free you from his meanness. To the point that we would claim, well, because of his son, free from all that meanness. No, 
you get it all. These, these are the sacred cows I'm talking about. These are the mindsets that I'm after. I'm not after this little trigger and this little lie that helped me, you know, that's making me struggle with this. I'm after what do we really think when we proclaim the things that we think? And what is it uncovering in our perspective of the Godhead? And what do we believe? Does, is that hitting you guys? That that, does that make any sense that he sent his son to stop what he was doing the whole time? He's Yahweh. I think he knows what he's doing. He sent his son to give you access to everything he's doing. He's giving you the, uh, the elder brother to have the strength to follow everything he was doing. He has a pattern. It's back in Genesis 3. He had a pattern with Noah. He had a pattern again and again and again and again and again, and he continues to have a pattern. Here's the problem. The renewed covenant stopped about 70 AD. Let's just say 100 AD. So where's the rest of the pattern? Where's the other stories? They're you. That doesn't mean they're not happening. They're just not written about. They are written about in heaven, but they're not written about in a book for us to be able to line ourselves up. Ooh, with Catholicism, duh. Then he came in, and then ooh, with this, and then he came in, and then the Protestant Reformation, and then ooh, and then he had to come in. It's the same thing. He built his, his people, and then they kept messing up, and then he did this, and then he did that. He's still doing that. But it's not because he's freeing the people from himself. He's freeing the people from you. Your deception. Your, your, um, the trickery, the robbery, the, sh the shrewdness of the serpent to come in and make you question his very word. So I'm just going to end with this. Matthew, Matthew 5, 17. Do not have a mindset. Do not think that I came to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. I will keep going. Amen, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away. Is this passed away? Is this passed away? I said this last week, that... <laughs> because he sent his son, we have access by our spirit to govern from a different place than earth. Okay? So he sent his son for those who cling to him to operate differently than everyone else. Okay? He did not come to do away with the earth. I did not come to abolish the earth. I did not come to abolish you. I did not come to abolish anything. I actually came to fulfill it and bring meaning to all of this. That's why I'm here. 
Oh, and by the way, my story's not done because it would be better if you continued it because I have to go. And then we've been operating under a mindset that the fall is over, that sin just doesn't abound, that sin's not here. You do not have to be under sin because you have access to live differently. But that does not mean that it's, we're not in the millennium yet. The return has not happened. So there are laws that are still in place, which is why there's a choice, which is why we have different church groups and different ways of thinking. And, and we're repeating history again. We're all divided up to the point where right before Yeshua came, the Maccabees had to separate themselves because they, they were, this is what's so crazy to me. They, they, they kept a flame going in order to break away from a nation. What do you think we're doing? Do you think, he, I'm just talking from pattern. Is he gonna come and the masses are gonna be like, yeah. Seven billion people on this earth, a third of them are Christian. I, I'm just saying that there are some things for us to think about when you start looking at the patterns. Okay? So in Matthew 5, he says, I didn't do all that. And, and, and until earth and, uh, heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter, which is the least, which is the least law. How about the one don't flee during battle? I think that that's huge. Because I know I was raised, you flee. That battle comes, conflict is yoke is easy. We don't talk, we don't confront, we don't want riffles. I want 500 people in my service. I'll have actually four services on Sunday and we need to build a bigger parking lot because I need to make sure that there's, you know, I, going on a whim here, any church that has 300 people or more are probably not being discipled. or not necessarily being pressed in anything, but there's an agenda there. But there was an agenda in Genesis 3. Not, I, I'm not sure how else you can interpret that. Not one letter of the Torah will pass away until all things come to pass. Let me just ask, let me make this personal. Forget end times. Have all things come to pass in your life? Have all things come to pass in your life? If they have not, then not one letter of the Torah is done away with. There's something for us. This is not a mean thing. This is a loving instructions. This, this is like a, 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 a rebellious daughter that says, you're so mean. You told me I had to go to bed. And I understand it's hard with a passive aggressive parents. I know, I know it's bad, but I know you're tomorrow morning and I know you better than you. And you say you can handle it. You're not going to be able to handle it. 
You are all fired up tonight. You are, you're not gonna be able to do it and I know better. So this is for you. This is not a weird, like what's happening to me. This is, this is, this is your lifeline. Because not everything in your life has come to pass. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same. Uh, that is scary to me. That is why I say the greatest lie ever told in your life is not, I'm fat. It's not, I'm unworthy. It's you were told you don't have to listen to all this and you'd be blessed for it. And you're gonna miss out if you did. They shall be called least in the kingdom. But whoever keeps and teaches them. This one shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and Torah scholars, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. The purpose of that scripture was to actually tell you, you are supposed to know more than the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes. And we don't know any of it. And that's what defines righteousness. We've been so twisted and led astray that we actually have thought that righteousness meant something completely different. Then you go on to the rest of the chapter. You've heard it, you, you, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever commits murder shall be subject to judgment. But I tell you, you can totally murder. But I tell you, since I came, I gave you a free pass. But I tell you, since I came, there's no consequences for murder. But I, but I tell you that I did away with all those murder laws. They're obsolete, old, they don't matter. Is that what it says? What are some of the words? Oh, the murder laws, they're nullified. This is, this, is, this is the mindset that we have when we read the word abolish versus fulfilled, because we're gonna get into abolish versus fulfilled. Uh, they were uh, revoked. Because I'm here, those murder laws, yeah, you heard about those, but they're revoked now. I'm the son. That's totally against my dad. He didn't know what he was doing. I'm here now. Let's create a new doctrine on me. They're voided. Those murder laws, they're canceled. I know you heard about them once, but they're, they're, they're canceled. You can read about them. They're going to be really good for you but you don't have to obey him. No, I'm pretty sure that's not what it says. Let me read what it says. But I tell you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be subject to judgment. And ever, 
And whoever says to his brother, death, shall be subject to the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be subject to fiery. To me, he's not saying I did away with it. He's saying, because I'm here, I'm giving you meaning to what my father said. And it was easy then, but now that you have had a stone that has, that's been written on, and I've given you a heart of flesh, I am telling you that the way you are to live separated is not only do I not want you to murder, but I want you to not be angry. What? That's not possible. It's not possible to rid anger. What if it is? But we've been doing it by cleaning off our old, our cleaning off our outside vessel. Don't you be angry on Sunday morning. Right. Yeah. Right. You get in a fight with your wife, don't call me. Right? Or then we gotta counsel anger out. Okay? Counsel anger out. Cast anger out. Understand what murder is. And abide by his instructions. Knowing, knowing that it wasn't taken away, but that you can do it. He said, it's, 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 it's the whole, uh, here's, here's a, a rule. And then someone comes along and says, let me, okay, see this. Yes, mom. Big brother comes over here and says, I was once 10. I know what it feels like, but they love you. They want what's best for you, and not only that, I did it, and look at who I am today. So go and be obedient. Not a big brother. <laughs> Isn't she mad? Isn't she just after to kill you? That is not what that's saying. He, he's coming along and saying like, let me explain to you why. Let me give you a secret. They're just saying that you can't go to bed at a certain time, but here's why. Because you won't get enough rest and you're gonna wake up upset. That's what Yeshua does. He's not against Yahweh, he's explaining Yahweh. So the other aspect to fulfilled is I came to fill it up. I came to bring meaning. I came to carry it through to the end. I came to make sure you do walk by their rules because I'm here to show you, you can carry it through to the end, not stop it, but keep going. This is, um, this, is, this, is, this is Strong's. This is Blue Letter Bible. This is not Tanya's revelation. Make full, fulfilled. He came to fulfill it, not retract it. Bring it to realization. Do not think that I came to demolish the Torah. I did not come to make it obsolete, but I came to bring realization to it. I came to bring it into effect. I came to cause his will to be obeyed. This is just blue letter Bible, just click on it. 
If we're getting confused with what fulfilled means and somehow we've interpreted that, that that means that we don't have to do it, read what it says. He said, I came to make it have meaning. I came to cause his will to be obeyed. Render full. Full opposed to emptied. Lacking nothing, perfect. That is the heart of what we're gonna be getting after for the next couple of weeks. He is gonna come in next week and every single word of that scripture he's going to pick apart. Because there, it's very interesting the words there that he uses fulfilled and abolish. He didn't just say I came to fulfill it, he basically said what he didn't do. And then he said what he did do, which means what he did do is opposite of what he didn't do. So if you understand the word abolish, which means destroy, do away with, nullify, then you automatically know what fulfilled means. Not complete in the sense of it's done. It's done in the sense that you have it, but not done in the sense that you don't have to listen. You don't have to obey. Amen? Okay, they turned the clock away from me, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I think, I don't know who is up next, but um, next week is gonna be more on Matthew 5, and he's gonna be breaking down every single word that's in Matthew 5. Once we grasp the fullness of Matthew 5, it will grant us permission to be able to move into some of the scriptures that we'll read in the renewed covenant that will cause confusion as to why a theology was built on not having to submit to Yeshua. So we, I mean, meaning we are going to get into that. We are going to get into those scriptures that are confusing the renewed covenant. We are also going to be diving into then what is the Torah and why spiritually is it so easy to follow that you shouldn't have intercourse with an animal, but it's not easy to understand the feasts. What is it that we're being robbed from about the feasts, about Sabbath? These are the three things that I have seen so far in my study. All of the laws are not crazy, but there are three that are hard. Sabbath is one, the feast is another, and food seems to be a real dilemma. All the rest of them are pretty, they're pretty good. Why? What is that? And why did Yahweh have us start with the feast and the foundation? And what does that mean? And what is he robbing from our rest? And what happens? There is, there is a law that says, don't take what I've said to do and turn it into something else and put my name on it. That is in there. And it grieves me. And I understand that this might be crazy for some, but it grieves my heart when you have to see the level of deception come Sunday morning. Because that in and of itself is a twisting from the Sabbath into someone else's doctrine and it is not biblical. So we could go tit for tat. What does it matter? At least we're worshiping Jesus. But can you imagine the grievance that he must go through to say they're acting like they know me and they don't even know a simple truth that they've been deceived on when my day of rest is. You're missing the ordained time of rest. 
and chalking it up to, but it's fine. I don't really have to obey that. And I'm definitely not going to die. But we are not to call Sabbath something else and on a different day. All I'm saying is, is can we look at why have we been dying on a hill of all these other rules and regulations, but not that one? The masses is Sunday. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. I get that this is not easy. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Hobby Lobby is closed on Sunday. I get it. But isn't it, doesn't it light a flame? When you start to see the masses are doing something and they're united in it, and it's not in here. I don't know about, I mean, I'm assuming you have this or you wouldn't be here, but that is what I, that's what I'll die over. That's what gets me. Just because a lot of people are doing it doesn't mean it's right. Sunday, are you next? You can come up here. Sunday, the day of the Lord. That started with, with a theology that wanted to create unity between paganism and their religion. All I'm saying is, is if you're doing something and you're saying, well, I don't know why I'm doing it, but it's been there and you figure out the origin of it, once your eyes are open to it, you. It's hard to not see it then. So when, when the sun god is worshipped, and in order to make people comfortable to not want them to come out of their paganism, they just combined their beliefs with the early church's beliefs and then named it something different. I think it's interesting that there's a law about that, <laughs> to not do that. So... Spiritually, I think it's interesting that the feasts, food, and Sabbath, for me, at least up to this point in my study, are the three largest things that have completely caused division and deception and completely have derailed us to the point that we will fight to not obey any of it or even think that we need it because we, because we want that. I, I, I don't know if that's making sense. Meaning, we'll fight to uphold someone else's theology at the cost of death. Because it's normal. That is what, is, that is what I'm after when he said that it's time to get after the greatest lie because it's not just the holidays, it's not just that, but even in our position. So when the renewed covenant says that by Ruach, you will be caused to begin to walk in his ways. I'm gonna end with this. You don't have to know the Torah. The renewed covenant says through Jeremiah and in the New, and in the New Testament, 
that you will be automatically caused to follow his ways. So my question for this family is if it's been automatic, then what is it that has deceived us to stop us in that area of being automatic? Because this family shifted to Shabbat before I knew about Shabbat. We had blueprint meetings to shift to a Friday night. Why? Because Holy Spirit was causing us to line up with his ways. Not because I had a staff meeting, not because we knew what the hell we were doing, not because of anything, but because he was saying it is time to break out of that Sunday routine. Yes, dad. And then he brings meaning to it. But isn't it interesting that if he says you'll be caused by, that's why you can test the fruit. How else can you test the fruit? What feels good? I, I think it, it is super hard for me to walk into a situation and be like, I wonder what spirit she's operating in. And it depends on my propheticness on whether I got it right. That's craziness. But I can test her obedience to his instructions because it says that you will be caused to follow. So, <laughs> so that, if that helps you in your wrestling, I hope that that helps in your wrestling. <laughs> Amen.